For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? It's National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. That's something worth celebrating. But more importantly, we have the incredible Michael Masita on the show tonight. And I am so thrilled that he's here. Uh, Michael, for some reason, Uh, I'm getting an echo. I'm getting an echo. So you are. I'm getting an echo coming back at me. So I'm trying to start. start. Uh, Let's see. Uh, click on your audio and make sure that your echo cancellation is in chat. I have a friend here doing this. Okay, good. Okay, it's always good. A, a nice to have a friend here doing that. First of all, how are you, Michael? How are you, Michael? Echo cancellation. Yes. I'm good. I'm the wonderful. Thank you. It's so good to see you. Yeah, I am. Uh, I like your shirt. <laughs> thank you, and I love yours. We are getting a little uh, feedback there, so uh, just uh, as we start off on the wrong foot tonight, oh, uh, we are getting a little uh, uh, static and uh, uh, feedback. So uh, if you can just start talking, we'll see if that uh, is it only when I I speak or no, it- uh, it's gone now. So oh, it's fun. Okay, great. Uh, so thank your friend. Thank uh, you, Greg. That may be. Greg's uh, my neighbor, and he knows. <laughs> he's, I don't know anything about computers, and I just bought a brand new one the other day, and so he's been setting the whole thing up. Well, well, I, sure. I always begin my shows by asking my guests, "Who or what are you celebrating today?" And I think it's appropriate that you say we celebrate our neighbors. Oh, I definitely celebrate my neighbors and I celebrate my friends. I love my friends, you know, and everybody that are, I'm friends with on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's, I learned so much from everybody. So I, and I'm happy to hear their stories and how they're doing and their family's doing, how the kids are doing and everything. I, th- I think it's important. I love it. And I, I mainly celebrate life. That's well, I appreciate that. And I have to tell you, Michael, so many people, have said to me over and over and over again, when are you going to have Michael on the show? Uh, you have quite a fan base out there. And I mean, already the numbers are very high here tonight. So uh, you've done something right, I will say that. I was actually surprised because I thought he wants me to be on his show and then I saw all the people you had on your show and then why on earth would he want me on there? I, honestly, you know, no. I, I'm glad to be here. I'm you're right happy. up there with everybody else, and I am thrilled that you're here. Uh, so I will ask you, um, who or what are you celebrating? You've mentioned the people in your life. Uh, is there any special event that's coming up or that you've just done that you want to celebrate as well? Uh, no, I'm, I'm one of those people that my one and only thing is I'm appreciative. I appreciate every day. I, I, I'm on the ocean, on a cliff, and I go out there every morning, and I'm just thank you for another day. I'm especially at my age. I'm glad I have another day. And and my life, I have a terrific life. I really do. I had a terrific life when I was in show business, and I have a wonderful life now here in Hawaii. You know, I couldn't. I, I there's nothing else on earth I need. I'm very content. That's wonderful. I start out with a surprise question. I haven't mm-hmm. even looked at this question, so this will take well, us down whatever path it's going to take us down. Okay. And the question is. Would you rather hear good news or bad news first? Uh, I'd, I'd like to hear good news first. Yeah, and then then you can tell me the bad news. Well, there is no bad news tonight, except for oh, the uh, technical glitches, <laughs> which we've gotten already out of the way. And then the other question is, explore a path to... Uh, mentoring particularly in a space or subject where you have a special skill. And obviously you have had this phenomenal career. Um, Who are the mentors who have paved the way for you? And then I wanna ask if you also have served as a mentor in this business. Uh, There, well, there's a lot of them. But my first mentor was my mom and dad, I'd have to say. And my biggest mentor was my, uh, 
original dancing teacher back in Lorain, Ohio, Judy Murray. She really mentored me all through high school. And then uh, when I was doing shows, a lot of people, a lot of well-known people, whatever, helped me in every way possible. I mean, I, I couldn't be more grateful to people. And even now, friends, like my friend Greg here, you know, I, I wouldn't be on here if it wasn't for him. <laughs> so uh, I, I think everybody mentors me in a sense. You know, and I, I say that on Facebook a lot, and I don't know how people take it, but I really mean it. I, I, I'm not just saying it to sound a certain way or something. So, um, uh, yeah, I've had, and when I was in different shows, I know Tommy Toon, when I did Summer Stock, sort of, he didn't mentor me exactly. He did to me, but, but uh, he really kind of took me in hand when we were doing shows. I did eight shows with Tommy. And uh, only he's so a very good friend. So uh, I, yeah. I think the world of him. He's, he's one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. Another one is Harvey Evans. I was oh. looking at your show on Harvey Evans, and what a sweetheart! This is one of those people. There's nothing you could possibly say bad about them. They're absolutely. They were just wonderful, wonderful people. And luckily, I hooked up with him uh, when I got on Facebook again, and we talked for a while, and then. I didn't see him, but uh, he was a, he was great. There's a great book that I have been reading, uh, and I've talked about it on previous shows, called "The Right Words at the Right Time." Uh, it's a book by Marlo Thomas, uh, and it's really essays from celebrities, uh, people in the arts, political uh, figures, the world of sports, and they all have done these short essays on hearing the right words at the right time in their careers. Um, and I want to ask you if there was a particular time in your life or career where you heard the exact right words at the right time that really set you on the path that you, of course, had this successful career in the business, uh, but hearing the right words at the right time. Uh, my Certainly my parents. My parents supported me always. If this is what I wanted to do, they were all for it. And they, they supported me a great deal. And uh, when I went to New York and started working in shows, uh, gosh, I, I could make a list of people who have supported me in this business. And I, I talk about at one point, um, when I first went to New York, the day I went to New York, I got my first Broadway show. But I wrote recently that the reason for that was not just an overnight success that all of a sudden I landed there and got on Broadway, but what went on before it and the people who called the choreographer and recommended me to do this show. You know, and as far as I was concerned, I was dancing down the streets. It was such a thrill. I've been trying to get that across to people when I write, because uh, I'm sort of reminiscing an awful lot about what I did in my life and what it's like to be in a Broadway show. and. Um, I get so many wonderful comments. I mean, I, I can barely keep up with them, but it's kind of fun because so many people I know have been through that. And uh, a lot of some of the people that have been on your show as well, you know, we keep in touch. And, but they all encourage me. Everybody encourages me. Uh, I think the best thing I ever heard from anyone, I've heard this several times, was you can do it. Times when I thought, oh, I don't know if I, you know, and they, they say, you can do it, you know, and I just kept telling myself that all along, not just with showbiz, but really in life in general. Michael, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Uh, in a business where we deal with a lot of rejection and people hear a lot of times, you're not going to be able to do this. It's not going to happen. Uh, you know, just give it up and get a day job, have something to fall back on, all these things. To hear you say that, you know, is very encouraging. Uh, and uh, I know that you grew up in Ohio. Um, mm -hmm. I'll start you and my father uh, share a birthday. So uh, oh, okay. uh, January 10th. Uh, so uh, and then you and your sister uh, started out uh, dancing together. Am I correct? Yes. Uh -huh. And uh, and I asked uh, for a photograph of you uh, as, as uh, at, I think, five years old. I love this picture. And I love uh, the caption that you put with it, biting my lip. Um, so, <laughs> so I asked, yet. <laughs> I asked for the, a photograph at this age because to me, and I know I sound like a broken record, everyone, but it's a, it's a very special time in a kid's life 
uh, before life begins to tell you who you can or cannot be. It sounds to me like you were getting a lot of yeses instead of noes, uh, which is very encouraging. Uh, so tell us a little bit about this little boy. And do you recall this photograph at all? I do. Yeah, I do. I, I have a few of them somewhere on Facebook and my uh, computer, but I, I don't see them very often. But yeah, I, I quickly got one to send to you in time to time to do this. But uh, I think he was he's precocious, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but he was a good little boy. And actually, that's something that through the years I had to kind of get over because I was so used to always being a good little boy. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I grew up that way. But, um, uh, you know, my mother, my mother dressed us wonderfully all the time. You know, she, she wanted to make sure her kids were seen as, as uh, being little ladies and gentlemen. I grew up a gentleman. I even noticed that when I go to the store or something that uh, an old lady's trying to, is going through the door and people push in front of her. And, you know, I always step aside. I can't begin to tell you how grateful they are because they, I think because they've been seen. And as we grow older, I've noticed that you become less and less seen sometimes, you know, because uh, uh, whereas, you know, being in Broadway and everything like that, you were seen a lot. But uh, it's funny how that changes over the years. Not a bad thing, but it's it's interesting. So I always try to help little old ladies, little old gentlemen, young or old or whatever. And they'll say, thank you. And I go, I was brought up to be a gentleman. And I don't say one thing. I don't. I don't care where you know what your background is. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your uh, political affiliation is. I believe that the one common thread that every person on this planet has is that we all want to be acknowledged. We all want to be seen, and that's the bottom line with everything. And I think that if we take the time to see everybody, it will truly make a difference in our lives. I think so, too. And I think in the world in general, that's often a problem that to not feel seen or cared for. You know, I mean, clerks in stores, everybody to me is is there. They have a job or they're trying to work and who knows what they're going through. You know, I, I don't assume that they're OK or I don't acknowledge or I acknowledge them if I'm in a store or whatever. I, I talk to people and and thank them and let them know, thank you for doing that for me. And they sometimes look at me because they're so used to being sort of an automaton sometimes. Nobody's paying any attention to them. And I think it's important. I think being being seen on whatever level is really, really important. I think it's it's the basis of an awful lot of problems <laughs> in the world. Absolutely. Well, how did the dancing start with you and your sister? Um, and did it start in uh, school? Did it start in Masonic halls? Where did the dancing start? Well, when I was younger, not quite that young, but when I was younger, uh, I, I went to a dance class with my sister. And this is literally out of a chorus line. Chorus line. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, because at one point I was supposed to play Mike in a chorus line. And the whole idea was I can do that. And I remember sitting as a little kid watching my sister and her friends dancing. Uh, but the, And so I started to take dancing lessons. My parents encouraged me. And But the problem was that the teacher, Miss Brooker, was very harsh. And she had a stick she'd carry around. And she kept smacking me on the back of the legs with this stick. And I told my parents, I don't want to take dancing classes anymore. And I got out of that. So, uh, but later on, uh, when I, actually when I was about, I think, 12 years old, my, my mother was, her club or some group in our hometown was doing a show called Follies. And it was at the Palace Theater on Broadway in Lorain, Ohio. And at first, when she told my parents that, when she told us, my sister and I, I want you to be in it because the other ladies' kids are going to be in it. My sister cried. She didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I was like, I don't want to go and do it. You know, I got there and I was there for five minutes. That was it. The rest of my life from then on was that with show business. I started taking dance classes all the time in Lorraine, all through high school and everything. And my sister and I performed all over the place in Cleveland and, and on television and, and all these things. But the thing was that when I would go to go to school, I dreaded having my picture in the paper. And my picture was in the paper with her dancing in some costume almost every week. But you know, all those years, not 
one person, not the football player or anything like that, ever made fun of me. I'd walk with my head down because I thought my picture's been in the paper, darn it, you know. And people would say, and the football players and that would go, hey, Mike, great. Saw your picture in the paper, you know, and it's funny. I, I still felt that way the whole time through high school. I didn't sort of didn't want to be seen, noticed too much. <laughs> and uh, but I never had a problem with it like a lot of kids have had, especially boys. Because when I was dancing, not a lot of guys really danced. Well, Ian, it's funny that you mentioned both Follies and the Palace Theater in Ohio, and both the Follies and the Palace Theater would be in your future later on. Yeah, yeah. I have, that hasn't been lost on me, believe me. And I'm here in Hawaii now, and I've been, I worked for five years at the Palace Theater here, putting on shows. So I Just thought, well, well, you know, and in, in applause, the show applause was at the Palace Theater in New York. And I consider that my first really big hit show that I was in. Uh, and it was perfect from beginning to end. It was everything that a kid from Ohio hoped being on Broadway would be, except that the theater, I, I was kind of shocked when I went to New York at how small the theaters were. I know they have bigger ones now, but uh, I went to the well, You had another boy from uh, Ohio were in that show together. Who? Uh, Leroy Reams. Oh, Leroy. Yeah, I love Leroy. He's one of the best <laughs> performers, dancers I've ever seen. He's he's wonderful. We just touched base on a on a, a Zoom group uh, with uh, uh, the applause cast, some of the members of the cast. And that, now I haven't seen him in years, but we chatted and it was fun. A lot of fun. But uh, so you're dancing, you know, in these opportunities, you know, locally. Um, mm -hmm. And then you make this decision that you want to pursue this as a career and obviously mm -hmm. your parents are encouraging for this to happen so right after you finish high school how did the other i know that you did a lot of work at melody top um and uh melody top in milwaukee uh for those i know a lot about melody top but for those who yeah. don't know uh if you can well dan pagel you know god bless him at keeping that legacy alive um, if you can talk a little bit about what Melody Top was for you in your life just starting out uh, and that world of summer stock and show business doesn't exist anymore. You know, I, I was asking that today on a comment. Someone said, oh, I only did did summer stock. And I said, only. I said, I love I, I one of my best times was in summer stock. Oh, mine too. I love summer stock. And Milwaukee Millotop was wonderful. I was at Boston Conservatory of Music, and uh, I was there for three years. And two of those summers, I went to New York, I guess, and auditioned and got in the shows with Tommy Toon and Kurt, Peters, Kurt uh, Peterson. And uh, gosh, a lot of people I, I worked with later. And it was one of some of the best times of my life, especially that first season of Melody Top. What a wonderful, wonderful place that is. I met so many people and we worked with so many stars, Cheetah and, and Gretchen Weiler, who I have adored. Oh, my God, I loved her. Yeah, and Tommy, Tommy, of course, Tommy Toon and Jane um, from the old pictures. Jane Powell, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, in fact, it was after I did the second season there, I went back to school for one more year. I had a scholarship all through college. And uh, but I, they were going to pay me to stay in college for another year, because back then you know there weren't a whole lot of boy dancers. I think there were about thirteen guys and one hundred and fifty girls or something in the school. So and when I went to, for my first audition in New York, for fig leaves are falling, mm -hmm. kind of a flop. Um, I couldn't believe how many guys were there auditioning to dance there, there had to be 500 and it was funny because I, I looked and I, I thought oh my god how will I ever get get in the show with all these guys but you know 75 percent of them couldn't dance at all I think they were just coming from the street I don't even know if they do that anymore <laughs> no you it's know? very it's very different now is it yeah because back then I I was like sweating a little bit because I thought oh my god it's a lot of competition maybe I'm not as good as I think I am but there were about 25 <laughs> many of whom I, I worked with throughout the years who not only got the job, but, uh, but that was recommended by people. And I think Tommy was one of the people who recommended me to, to the uh, choreographer. 
I mean, I am very, very fortunate to call Tommy friend, but I want to ask you, you worked with him, what he brought to the table for you, uh, both as uh, an artist and as a friend, uh, what you learned working from him, you did many productions with him, uh, that you've carried throughout your career. I always held Tommy in my heart because I feel like he was the person. I remember once we talked late into the night and he was telling me about, uh, I think he mentioned Promises, Promises at the time. And he said, boy, you could be in that show or something. And I, I got real excited. And then the next day he said, you know, he said, but you, you should stay in college, finish college and whatnot. But uh, um, Tommy was, he was so wonderful and such a wonderful person sense of humor and quality and everything. And I think the biggest thing was he was so damn tall. And I, to me, I was the tall one all of the time. Everybody, I looked, you know, down on everybody around me size-wise. And here Tommy and I, I'm like, <laughs> he was so tall. I was looking up. I think I saw him a couple of times in New York when I, for, when I first went there. But uh, I can't speak highly enough of Tommy. He influenced me a great deal and showed me that, hey, I can do that. You know, so uh, he's in my heart always, even though I haven't seen him in a long time. Well, I want to ask you, how did the move to New York happen for you? Uh, when you first came to New York, did you know anyone in New York? Did you have uh, friends that you stayed with? How did that transition happen for you? You know, I'm, I just knew we were going to New York. I was going to New York and I don't, uh, I don't, Rupert, somebody, I stayed at his apartment I don't think I even knew him that well, but I slept on the floor in this little tiny apartment with a bathtub in the oh main my room. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was on the, I was on on the on a mattress that he put on the floor, and all I could think of was roaches crawling all over the place, and, and I was kind of spraying around the mattress so that it wouldn't happen. But uh, um, I, I really don't quite recall. I, I sort of was got the, I was sort of there. I know the first Broadway show I ever saw was Sweet Charity with Gwen Burden. And of course, that just sent me. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't stay in school any longer. I got to go do this. You oh, know? Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Do you remember the first show that you ever saw? Ever, ever? Ever, ever. Oh, you mean on the, on the stage? On the stage. It, it was in Cleveland, yeah. and it was um, Bye Bye Birdie. And years later, actually, I played Birdie at the Hannah Theater in Cleveland, the part of Birdie. Mm -hmm. But when I saw that and all those people in those squares <laughs> in the telephone hour or whatever that was, I, I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I was just and that and seeing the movie West Side Story, which blew me away. I never knew that someday I'd be working with those people. In fact, I didn't know that when I went to see Sweet Charity on my first Broadway show. And I remember Gwen came out back in a great big fur coat and was signing autographs and everything. And uh, that later on I would work with her and know her and, and, and whatnot. You know, I, I think life is so funny. There's so many things that have happened to me that if someone would have tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, Michael, do you know that you're going to be doing this and, and doing that someday with that person or something like that? I would have thought they were nuts. I wouldn't have believed them. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, but that has happened to me over and over and over again. You know, it's interesting, you know, that you say this because I feel the same way in the in terms of the people that I've got to know as friends uh, mm -hmm. in this business that I grew up with thinking, I pinch myself sometimes saying, I cannot believe as a child watching some of these icons on television that they ended up becoming friends. And now as I channel surf, I see, you know, Carol Cook and Carol Channing and other people that I've worked with. Um, just, you know, it's an amazing thing to, to have that happen. But I think it's a matter of just getting out there and, as Carol says, joining the human race. Once you're out there doing it, these things are bound to happen. Well, the only time I, I ever met Carol Cook was I went to dinner with her. A friend of ours, I don't remember his name, but there were uh, three star ladies like that at the dinner. I never laughed so much in my life. As, as having dinner with Carol Cook. All of them were telling joke after joke, but they, they had them written down in their purses. <laughs> and they'd go in and they'd, oh, what about this one? they tell it. And it got to be so that the entire restaurant was laughing at them, you know? And, and the, I remember the, the owner, 
manager or whatever came over to our table and she looked at him like he was going to tell her to be quiet or something. And she gave him this great big smile and he just laughed and walked away. Let her do whatever she wanted to do. So I was watching your video yesterday with her. You know, she, she well, is. I have to tell everyone what you really should have seen was the after show. <laughs> because Leroy and Carol and I were on for another hour and a half. And she was telling joke after, you're right, joke after joke well, after joke, and just absolutely hysterical. And uh, some, I, I would get kicked off of Facebook if I was to tell. Uh, just, just very, very funny. Um, you've had, you've done so many incredible shows, Maine with uh, Ann Miller and uh, uh, Applause. Um, was there a particular show that you did that was very difficult for you to let go of? Um, I loved, I love doing applause and, and I think probably Pippin. It's, it's funny. I love, I, I loved all those shows. I was in working with Ann Miller was absolutely wonderful. I went to um, Florida with her cast. I had no idea she was going to Broadway. It, it, I never even thought about it. You know, we were in Florida, I think for six weeks performing. And, uh, and she asked me, would I go into the Broadway company with her? And I, I was like, what? <laughs> You're doing what? You know, and they, I found out later that it was sort of a tryout for her, I think, or practice to to do the show for six weeks. You know, so that was thrilling, although I don't think a lot of the cast was too crazy about me coming in that way, you know, but uh, um, I think I forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, it was a particular show that was difficult for you to let go of. Oh, I, I love doing Pippin. Uh, Pippin, uh, working with Fosse, for Fosse, and it, it was a very sexy show. I played the brother, Lewis. Mm -hmm. And I, at first I, was, I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to take my shirt off at one point. But you had these, like, sleek white pants on and these tall boots and, and I don't know, a thing around your arm and all that. And it just made you feel great. And I stood there waiting to go out because I've always had a thing about being skinny. It's been it's affected me my entire life. And uh, so whenever I was going to do a show, I always kind of asked like, and what are the costumes? <laughs> Cause to do a show eight night, eight days, eight times a week, you better like what you're wearing. Cause if you don't, it's, it's really uncomfortable, but that show, it was, it was just absolutely wonderful to do. I went in for someone, but with the original cast for Chris Chadman, who was a, close friend of mine he played the role but he went away for a uh, holiday or whatever for you know, two weeks and then the following year i did it again for three months but uh i love that show i think i think that was maybe my favorite show to perform in ever when was the last time that you were in new york and did you see the last revival of pippin which had a completely different look and feel to it i didn't i i was just thinking of that today that i haven't been dead back to New York in years. The only way I keep in touch with any shows that are going on is through Facebook. I'm the great thing about Facebook. I went on cause we did a show called La Caja Faux here, which I choreographed. Mm -hmm. And the guy told me, he says, the only way you can see the pictures I took is to go on Facebook. And I thought, Oh, I don't know if I want to join that just to see these pictures. He said, oh, you can go off of it if you don't want to. <laughs> well, the rest is history. I love Facebook. You know, it's, it's caused me to write a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy being on there. I've met all the people I've worked with that are still alive uh, uh, from those years, producers and everything. Uh, I'm consider myself extremely fortunate that we did a Follies get together. I think it was last year, and Stephen was on. Stephen Sondheim was on, mm. and I hadn't seen him. I hadn't seen any of those people in all these years. I was asked once. Um, uh, they said, oh, you know, so-and-so passed away. So I said, I didn't know. They said, well, you talk about being such a good friend of these people. How could you not have known that? And I thought, it's different. When, when you're in a show, I mean, you're, you're like so close to your family and you live your lives together every day for sometimes a year or more and uh, uh, rehearsing together and all that. You become great friends, but then you go to other shows and you go to other things and you don't not be friends with them anymore, but you just kind of don't see them. Everybody's busy, as I wrote about the other day. Uh, it is work. <laughs> I mean, I've had people reprimand me for calling it a job. And I was like, 
it is a job. I said, are the people who are reprimanding you in the business or not? They're not. I, I don't think I no, I don't think they are because I asked them once. I said, "Have you ever been in a show or a Broadway show and everything?" They said no, but they said if they were, uh, you know, they would love every second of every day of every moment throughout the year or whatever. And I thought, well, that's admirable. Well, you know, sometimes you just don't feel like going to work. <laughs> Maybe it's just me, but I've had days when I was like, "Oh God, got to drag myself to the theater." But, well, uh, as you can see on the scroll on the bottom, our giveaway tonight is going to be based on the hashtag commitment. And yeah. you bring up a very interesting point. When you go into a show, um, Carol Channing, Ethel Merman used to uh, say you become a nun uh, because you have no social life. You, yeah. you go to the theater, you do what you need to do. And you are with a group of people for a you know committed uh, amount of time. And then you may work with some of those people again. And even if you do work with those people again, the circumstances are different mm -hmm. uh, because of the dynamics of whatever the show is. Uh, sometimes it could be a flop show. It could be a hit. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you knew the show was not the success that you thought it was going to be? Uh, and you still have to forge through this, again, the commitment of doing it. And what gets you through having to go through something like that? Well, the first show I did was uh, Fig Leaves Are Falling. That was a flop and it closed after four nights. Uh, and I, of course, at that time, I was so excited to be in a show, whether it flopped or not, you know, it set me up and everything. But I've done, I've eh, done my share of things that I wasn't crazy about doing or really didn't want to do. Equus was one of those. I I never enjoyed doing Equus because we here I am dancing around in all these Broadway shows and everything. And then my manager at the time said, oh, we wanted you to get some kind of credit in a play or whatever. And so I said, okay. And I went in, I think for six months and oh my God, you sit there and never move except for about 10 minutes out of the entire show. And you have to sit there and watch the actors on the stage every single night for two hours or whatever. And to me, I was like, oh, I want to move. You know, uh, the ex good part about that, though, is I did start it with Tony Perkins. And, and uh, I then Richard Burton came in. So I was able to do the first couple of weeks with Richard Burton, and then I left. But that it made it more exciting because he was in it. You know, but up until that point, I've never been in a show where you had to sit on the stage the entire night watching it every single night. It's one thing to do it every <laughs> do it eight times a week. You know what I mean? It, it, I don't think people really realize the stamina required of a performer, you know, and the, the difficulty of, I never stayed in a show more than uh, like, I think eight months in Follies was the longest time I actually stayed in the show. I was always on to the next thing. You know, I thought I can't be doing this for 10 years. And, uh, but I know people, a lot of friends that I had loved to get in a show. It's a hit. They'll stay in it five, six years. That's I, I know of actors that have been in uh, Lion King for almost 20 years. Oh because it's a steady <laughs> check in this business. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's understandable. You know, I, 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 that just wasn't me. I, I Almost after a show opened, I would start looking for another thing. I don't know. I, I was always kind of moving on to things. You know, people, people thought I was crazy for a long time. And I told somebody once, I, I, they were complaining about not doing this and not doing that. And I said, you know what? I said, you cannot commit yourself to that which you do not love. If you don't love, so, whether it be a person, whether it be a job, whether it be being in showbiz, whatever it is, if you don't love it, you won't make it through it. Mm -hmm. It's. I think for me, I, I need that full, solid commitment to something. Uh, and that's just what I learned a long time ago, I guess. And I'm that way with personal relationships and everything. You know, if you don't love something and then you complain that you don't have it. Well, I think the first place you need to look is you don't love it enough. You know, and I think, as you know, in this business, you better love it because there's Absolutely. all the glitz and glamour and all the fabulous and stuff that you know, like 80 percent of it or something is a hell of a lot of work and and work you love. You know, I, I, would, I would do it again. But um, but still, 
you know, that commitment, if that commitment doesn't keep you going, it, it's it never is worth it. You mentioned earlier that it was your manager that decided that you should go into Equus just to get that credit on your resume. Um, in this business, getting an agent, getting a manager, to, for some people, it is that uh, holy grail item for them. Mm -hmm. Was it important for you to have an agent and a manager in this business? Not um, Excuse me, I didn't mean to no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, uh, never. I never even considered it in New York. I, I somehow I had a manager and I did that Dr. Pepper commercial and he called me the next day to tell me that you won this award. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> and he said this <laughs> award. I never heard of it before. I was like, all I could think of was, you mean I won an award and I didn't get to go up there and thank the Academy for, for winning our <laughs> one chance to do that? You know, I had no idea what it was, but. I think he was the only manager I had or only uh, agent I had for a little bit, but I never used an agent to go audition for a show. I mean, most of the time it was for the chorus. So I don't think you really needed one. And when did you make the decision that you were going to leave the business? I made it, you mean New York or Hollywood? Uh, in New York. I, I mean, you left New York and you went out West and, uh, and then you went even further West. You mean Hawaii? To Hawaii. I know. I, I I swore when I got to Hawaii I was never going to count to count to eight again ever in my life because <laughs> going going to the gym and lifting them at one two and I said I'm not going to do this. But I don't know when I go places. You know, somebody knows somebody who says, "Oh, you do that? Would you do this?" And I do, and I'm really glad I did because I've loved I've loved doing it. You talked earlier about giving back. Mm -hmm. And I'd say the last 20 shows I've done, they would offer to pay me. I refuse to be paid. I said, no, I said, I'm giving this back to these young performers and everything. And I love doing it. And I said, I don't need you to be paid. The ulterior motive of that was I don't want to be paid and people telling me what I can and cannot do, you know, so I, I never accepted payment, but I got, to, I was paid a hundredfold just by watching them up on the stage you know uh, that was a that was that was a wonderful way wonderful way to finish the latter part of my life i just retired by the way you know i've been trying to retire for years but uh, uh i turned 75 and i thought that's it, it the new one that got to come I in i think you're dyslexic <laughs> <laughs> Fifty-seven, I'll take. Seventy-five, I don't think so. Um, well, you don't look seventy-five. Uh, you look great. Uh, whatever seventy-five looks like, but you look great. Uh, how did the move to Hawaii take place? You know why and why Hawaii? Well, uh, we've moved a lot, my partner and I, and this we're actually in our nineteenth home. We, uh, he loves to build and we're always buying houses and not to sell them, mind you, but just for us, we go, the worst part is going to visit someplace and then we think, hey, what would we like to live here? But we did that here in Hawaii and, and decided we went away for a vacation. And then, of course, what we do almost all the time is go look at real estate. <laughs> and uh, so we've had like four homes here in Hawaii since we've been, we've only been here for like 10 years or something. But um, uh you know, we, we, we enjoy it. It's like when the pandemic happened, we had just moved into the house we're in now. It's on a cliff overlooking the ocean. And uh, we downscaled. We were in an enormous house and property. And we loved it. He mentioned, he said, you know, we're getting older. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, maybe we should downscale a bit because now this place looks beautiful. But as we get older, if we can't keep it up, it'll be harder to sell and whatnot. So at first I, I thought, are you crazy move again? I couldn't do it when I looked at all the stuff we had. But we looked around for a while and we, of course, as we always do, I walked into this place and immediately said I could live here. Of course, the view is unbelievable. So it's, it's but it's a, a quarter of the size really, but we've been working on that for the last two and a half years. And we have about two more years to go to remodeling. And we do that. He, we do it all the time. We lo we love doing that. So I've had that. And when they said in the pandemic, right after we moved in, nobody, you're not supposed to go anywhere and don't be around people and all that. We just looked at each other like, yeah, well, <laughs> that's what we do all the time. We're we're usually home, fixing you know, fixing things up. So. 
and doing those shows once a year, which was, I don't know, which was wonderful. Well, you got to come back to New York. You got to come visit us out here. So uh, I do want to point out again to everybody that we are going to do a giveaway. Um, and I'm my giveaway to, uh, package tonight, I'm putting a little package together based on the shows that you've done. So uh, that's going to be my little uh, gift to uh, ever who wins tonight. All you need to do is comment with a hashtag commitment. The best way to do this is through YouTube because sometimes Facebook, it doesn't show up. Uh, when we do our little drawing at the end. So I've got some wind down questions that I want to do just for the fun of it. Uh, and the first question is, uh, what can you tell us about uh, the most, what you consider the most successful period of your career? Some people may look at your career and go, that was it. But it's what you feel inside here. So for you personally, what was that moment like for you? Uh, actually, I, I sense that being in New York because I, I always worked in New York. Uh, going to going to California, it came when I was doing like 150 television commercials, mm -hmm. and you know I, that was great, you know, because of the money and, and everything. Uh, so I never had to do any kind of job other than this business ever. And uh, uh, but you know, there's a period where you don't feel so successful all the times you do. But in New York, in, in Follies and all those, probably you know, actually in applause, because this was a young kid from Ohio, being in this Broadway show. That to me, being in it, rehearsals and everything, and doing the show was perfect from beginning to end for me. It's like I could almost write a book just about what it's like for a young person to go and be in a Broadway show. That was that for me. And I'll pick that, that, that I really felt grateful and successful being in a hit Broadway show. There's nothing like it. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, you can be in a lot of different Broadway shows and a lot of them don't go and, and whatnot. So many elements have to come together to make a thing work. Uh, but in that show, the minute I stepped in, the minute I, I walked in rehearsal and Ron Fields, who was a choreographer director, mm -hmm. took me to meet uh, Betty Bacall because I was doing a bit with her. And I remember the studio was like six steps up and we went on and she was sitting in the middle of the room with a stack of photographs of herself on her lap. All the producers, directors, everybody were sitting in front of her and she was sitting there. Each one she'd go, no, 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 no. And they were all over the floor. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, I, I was, for a moment, I was kind of afraid of her, afraid to meet her. But when I did, she was delightful. You know, she was, she was wonderful. But uh, that you know. show, first of all, it's one of my favorite scores. Uh, I love applause, but it is such a product of its time. Uh, do you think that it could ever be revived? Mm, probably not. I, I think, uh, uh, it was a period. It was a, all you have to do is look at my costumes to see what period it was. I don't know where they ever got the idea to put me in these costumes, but scarves endlessly. These scarves I've never yes. worn in my life. That everything I did was a scarf or an orange jumpsuit up to the. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, what the heck? But it was fun. It, it was such great fun. Now we know everything that you're great at. What are you bad at? Bad at computers. My friend Greg sitting here. I like we got a you know, we, we got a great big eighty-five inch television. Because in Hawaii, what do you do at night? You watch usually watch television. There's really nowhere to go. And uh, uh, setting this thing up, I, I, I thought the reason they call them smart TVs because they're a hundred times smarter than we are. And even when we set this he set up this computer for like an hour and a half or whatever, talking to the tech people and everything like that. They took him to play. Well, you got to go to this and go to this and go to this and mark that to have a picture on and do this. And even he, who's really good at this, said, said how would anyone know to do this? I mean, it, it's, you know, I'm just like, Greg will do it. I, I don't, I don't know. It's televisions. All I want to do is turn up the darn thing on for God's sakes, but it's so technical. It's wonderful, but I don't understand the techniques. I'm really, really bad at that. Wow. Um, what uh, now? What are you good at besides these things that we already know about? 
I'm good at living. I, I, I've all my life I've uh, searched and studied and gone through things. I went through uh, quite a few years where I learned how to create with my imagination and how really simple it was, but we make it so difficult. And uh, I, through that, I began to underst understand that everything that we have, we we've asked for and good or bad or, or anything, but uh, we ask for it, but we don't know we're asking for it. Mm. You know, especially things we focus on that it's best probably not to focus on. And then we see things happen. And we wonder why does God or whatever do this to me? I learned so much of that because while I was doing all these shows, I was sitting there reading books in between everything. Once even in Follies, I forgot to come in with Graziella and Danielle, my partner on stage. Oh my God. And I was upstairs, all those flights in the winter garden. And I all of a sudden I heard my music because I was so engrossed in this book. I ran down those stairs and we had this whole big entrance crossing and everything like that. And right when we stop and start the dance, I ran right out on stage, right into her arms. And she just looked at me and, and gave a little wink or whatever. Yeah, she would have done that entire number without me. She did not need me to partner her in that number. She was so self-sufficient, but I loved her dearly. You Talk know. about being in the moment. That was, that really was but, you know, it's interesting that you say this. I went to see a show on Sunday afternoon, Suede, phenomenal entertainer. If you're not familiar with her, look her up. But she talked in the show about how those of us going through life, all of us, and we are doing one or two things, most people. Uh, we're either thinking, when I get that job, when I get that uh, boyfriend, when I get that girlfriend, when I get that, when I get that, when I get that. Or we're thinking, when I get over this thing that I'm dealing with right now, my life will begin. Yeah. And this is it. And the yeah. fact that you say that you're good at living, God bless you. I, you know, I, I think I am too. I don't think people really realize how much they're living in the past or in the future and really not being here. I think that's why it's I, I, I've discovered it has nothing to do with religions or anything really that's just the guys we use to learn these things but it's essentially it's being vertical being mm -hmm. present and being conscious conscious and, and we're conscious if we're on a roller coaster you're not thinking about anything else probably than going up and down these hills and screaming you know you're in the moment there and you don't think about it you can't sort of can't think about being in the moment if you're in the moment you know but I'm 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 big on that. Um, right where I'm at is exact. You know, I agree. I, Amen. Yeah. Um, and excluding drugs, of course, what is your antidepressant? Looking at the ocean. We have, we're on this 85 foot cliff with a lawn and, you know, downtown and, and out of, out of ocean and the ships pass by and everything like that. I realized how much I actually sit in my chair looking out the window while I'm writing perfectly content, you know, and, and, uh, sometimes I wonder, do you ever think, how do you ever get from there to there? I have no sense kind of, like I'm sitting in this room now. It's like nothing else exists except this room and you. And then I uh, go to the store and I'm standing in the store and I'm thinking, it's almost like I didn't get here. I'm here. It's like you beamed in all over the place. I, I sort of think that way. I don't know. It's my particular way of looking at life, I guess. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. Um, maybe you've just answered this question, but what is your particular point of view? And maybe you've just answered it. I think I have, but maybe I can make it simpler. My point of view is simply life does not happen to us it happens for us somebody said that one time but it's i find it to be really true um i don't think we can go through life as a victim in life and and i i don't i don't look at things as good and, and bad uh, to me it's really there's no good and there's no bad it's just the way it is mm -hmm. you know and uh I've, I've spent my whole life exploring this this has actually been the number one thing of my life is understanding myself not anybody else because uh, i i don't blame oh, people God, right? i love you for saying that yeah it's, it's it's i'm always like aware of what people sometimes say oh do you sit and meditate and i go i'm meditating all the time i'm always aware of what i'm doing what i'm saying this little voice that's going on in there and b 
beyond that. And uh, to me, it's, it's, it's typical of my personality, exploring and exploring and never coming to an end. Just this leads to that, and that leads to this, and this leads to, and I walk in wonderment. Here in Hawaii, the stars, oh my God. It, it's like nothing I've ever seen with stars. They even have low lights all over the city and everything to not interfere with the big observatory above us, all the observatories above us. And I just look at that. So I'm always posting pictures of the universe because I just, to me, it's like, that's me. You know, that that's, I'm looking at the inside of me, this whole thing, all of that's in here. And I think it's, I, I don't think people for the most part really understand that. We're told for generations, thousands of years, this thing is inside of you. It's inside of you. And yet, it's the last place anybody looks. Mm -hmm. you know, and I, sometimes I think, have you not heard? I know. <laughs> Haven't you heard this before? You know, we've been told <laughs> it over and over and over again. And yet still we search for it all out there. You know? oh, I'm totally on the same page with you. Um, and again, you've, you've answered, I think, that expression. What are your truths? My truth is that, that I am the thing that everybody's searching for. I don't mean me, Michael, but that part of me, this consciousness is playing the role of Michael. It's playing the role of everybody. And mm -hmm. it's all the same thing, same whatever, playing this role. And I laugh because I, I think we're playing our roles. I said, this is, this is, you know, if, if you were in India or something like that and, and you told somebody, you know, I just realized whatever all that is, it's this. And they would applaud and say, oh, great, you finally found out. Here, they act like you're crazy. I know. Course, it, it, it crazy. Me. Yeah, it never stopped me because one, I, I don't care what anybody thinks about it or not. It's, I'll say it if they want to, if they don't. It's like show business. There are people that never knew I was in show business. I never brought it up. I mean, like, you know, until they found out and they'd say, were you in New York and stuff like that? I said, yeah. You know, but I, I kind of move on. I let a thing go and I move to the next thing. I move to the next thing. And uh, it's just the way I've, I've always been, I guess. It's funny. And maybe there is no answer to the next question, but what are your lies? What are my lies? I think the lies are anything I tell myself and believe, especially if it's really not the truth. And I think we're—I think that's being uh, unfolded, unveiled mm -hmm. in life. Uh, you're, people are seeing these things, and, and many people—I mean, we—we we often believe because uh, we want to. That's probably the primary thing. To be able to use that, which I have a feeling you talk about and, and do to be able to believe something and produce it man we're really not creating anything we're manifesting what's already there absolutely realize it's already there why wouldn't you be able to have it but all these like oh i can't do that i don't have enough money or i can't do it. it has nothing to do with money i can't get that across to anybody it's not money and it's not anything like that and uh so i you know i was I did it so many times producing things in my life that uh, I, I, I realized that all I need to do is just simply go, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. And it's mine. I, I don't have to do the whole thing to do that anymore. But at, at this point where I am, I'm, I'm beyond that business of even believing. You know, I understand the use of beliefs and how wonderful they can be, you know, especially when people are really trying to accomplish something. But I didn't really believe in show business. I didn't. I don't think. I, maybe I did. Maybe I thought I can do that somehow. But I was a fairly insecure mm. kid. You know, I, my whole life. In fact, most of the people I know that are in show business and that are pretty insecure. You know, and uh, uh, I never thought I are absolutely. What? I said most that I know are. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's probably part of our talent. Uh, you mentioned earlier, and this is one thing that I really admire about you, uh, is the fact that you uh, meeting, you know, uh, you know, someone uh, opening a door for someone or acknowledging the people that are doing their day-to-day -day jobs everywhere. Um, 
And I really believe in random acts of kindness. I had the quote on the screen at the beginning of the show. Um, and I'm sure that you practice random acts of kindness all the time. I like to think I do. Um, it's, uh, but it's kind of who I am, I think. And I don't consider, I have ne if this is why I've never asked for an autograph, I, I don't consider myself any less than anybody and I don't consider myself any more than anybody. And it doesn't matter what they're doing, what their job is. It's this one thing doing it all. So why am I going to look at that and say, oh, I'm looking down on you because you work in a store. <laughs> you know, I just don't think that way. I, you know, absolutely. And I feel the same way. That's why I say to people, when people say, oh, my God, I met so-and-so. I says, well, they met you. Yes, I love That's, that. I love that. And, yeah. you know, and I always and I always point that out to people they have the opportunity of meeting you and don't diminish yourself. Don't feel that you're any less than any other person that you've met. Um, we all are on our paths and because someone had the opportunity or the luck, whatever you want to call it, of having that spark of being known on a bigger level than some people doesn't necessarily mean that that person is any more or any less important than you are. I absolutely believe that. And I feel the same way about every single person that I come in contact with. Yeah, I, I do too. And I, regardless of what they are or anything, I'm just glad to be alive. And I'm, I'm glad they're alive and that we're meeting and whatever, you know. But it, uh, it really helps in this business to think that way, actually. Uh, people talk about being insecure, but I, I was sitting with a group of actors in New York once and, and they were talking about being insecure and they said, well, this is such an insecure profession. I said, well, you sh don't you, didn't you realize that when you, when you came into it? And I sort of accepted the insecurity and it was sort of a con uh, security in knowing it's insecure. So we're going to give away uh, the package tonight. I'm going to go here and I'm going to click on this. Thank you all for being here tonight. Don't go anywhere for just a moment, Michael. Uh, I've got one other last question that I want to ask you once yes. we decide who we're going to give this to. Uh, Gary, do you know Gary? Gary uh, Vest? Uh, no, I don't think so. So Gary, thank you for being here. Gary, my email address is richard at richardskipper.com. Once again, richard at richardskipper.com. Make sure that you contact me uh, after the show so that I can get that to you. Um, I've got one last question uh, for you, Michael. And uh, let me remove this. And that question is, what would you say to this little boy? I'd probably say, don't be scared. Just yeah. follow your heart. You got everybody behind you. You know, every your parents, everybody, and just live your life. That's wonderful. I, you know, I, I this has been such a treat. I am so thrilled that we got past those technical issues at the beginning. Imagine if we'd got through a whole show of that. We okay. did it. So, <laughs> what's your neighbor's name again? Greg. Greg Fleming. Greg, thank you, Greg. <laughs> so, I want to thank you and thank you for being here. Uh, don't go anywhere for a moment because I'm going to give you the final word tonight. Okay. I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. Uh, this has been a real treat for me. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of Michael's work. I love his writing uh, and the fact that he said yes. Uh, the word commitment, uh, once again tonight, uh, is something that we take with us each and every day in terms of every move that we make. Uh, commit to be the best you that you can possibly be. That's all that, that matters. Uh, you're not responsible for what anyone else says or does. You're only responsible for how you respond to it. And we can all lift each other up and elevate each other. Um, I've said this before, and it's worth saying again, uh, when it comes to social media, Michael, of course, has talked about all the wonderful things that social media has. And I like to focus on those things as well. When you see a post, especially from other artists, because everyone wants to be acknowledged in this business, uh, hit the like button, uh, leave a comment, share it. Uh, if it's going to lift them up, if it's going to lift the others up that will see it, if it's going to even lift you up for doing that random act of kindness. Uh, if it's something that's negative or that's not going to build people up, uh, hit the hide button, hit the delete button. 
because you're responsible for what you put out into the world. Uh, I want to thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, after the show, please go to the YouTube channel and leave a comment on this show about what you think of tonight's show. Uh, share this with your friends and tell others about the show. Um, I also end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Uh, go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the ninth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. Because as my dear friend Sean Moniger says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So, Michael, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to give you the final word. Anything you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon? anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with tonight. I want to thank you, first of all, for the gifts that you've given to the world and that you're going to continue to give to the world. Thank you for being here tonight. And it's all yours. Don't worry about how to end the show. When you say goodbye, the credits will roll. Thank you and good night. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I want you to know how much I really, really appreciate every single one of you. Thanks for being my friends on Facebook. Good night.